The, the journey started 80 miles north of Jerusalem. Traveling by foot, Jesus and his followers traveled those 80 miles through the Jordan Valley all the way to Jericho. Now, Jericho served at that last stopping point for, for the pilgrims that were coming in from the north country who were traveling to Jerusalem for the great Jewish festivals. And that day, that's what everyone was doing. Thousands upon thousands of people were journeying to Jerusalem for the Passover. And the last part of that trek was not easy. Jesus and the others had to, to literally make their way up to Jerusalem as Jericho lay 825 feet below sea level, up to Jerusalem, which stood 2,500 feet above sea level. And that final stretch was filled with dust and dirt and rock that twisted its way upward through barren hills and ravines in the Judean badlands that surrounded the holy city. Now, there would be many that would go all the way into Jerusalem. But Jesus and his disciples, they had a specific destination in mind. They were planning on making camp in the town of Bethany. Well, why Bethany? Well, logistically speaking, finding accommodations in Jerusalem would have been next to impossible. You couldn't just phone ahead to the local Holiday Inn. 50,000 people normally lived in that city, but now with, with all these pilgrims traveling to celebrate the Passover, that number would be three times as many people. Plus, Jesus also had good friends in Bethany that, that he could stay with. You may remember their names, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, whom Jesus had just raised from the dead after being dead for four days. So Jesus and his disciples were, were able to stop and enjoy some time with their friends before Jesus walked that final time into Jerusalem. But here's the thing with Jesus. You, you know, he'd been doing all these miracles, and, and so the news of, of, of his arrival and, and what he had done, especially with Lazarus, has now reached the capital city. And it had a direct effect on the events that lie ahead for Jesus and the disciples. Like today, there were some who believed Jesus. They, they, they believed that Jesus had truly raised Lazarus from the dead. And, and those were the ones that planned this wild welcome party for him into Jerusalem. But then you had those that thought Jesus was a sorcerer, an imposter, a necromancer, whatever you want to call him. And, and they then quickly set into motion a plan of attack. And how to capture Jesus. And so that early Sunday morning, on the week that changed the world, Jesus made his direct public entry into Jerusalem. And as he went into Jerusalem, no longer was there any privacy or safety for him as he began this collision course with those priestly and political authorities. 
And this first step he took, this irreversible step that he was taken, was taken with a purpose. With every thought of the punishment that lie ahead for him, Jesus deliberately entered the city to be broken for you and me. Now, the people that were there, they didn't know this, right? They just knew that this amazing prophet was coming. And as Jesus approached, masses of people, masses of people started together, even as far back as Bethany, just to catch a glimpse of this rabbi from Galilee and Lazarus, the dude that was dead, but now alive. They lined the streets. They hung out from the windows, all just catching, hoping to catch a simple glimpse of this man. And so as Jesus and his disciples drew near to Jerusalem, we pick back up in our text. We'll be in Matthew 21 for the most of our time today. I want you to hear what two, he said to two of his disciples. Matthew 21, beginning with verse 2. Jesus says this. Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. Now, Jesus could have walked in. He could have run in. He could have gotten on a noble steed. But he didn't. He didn't because he was fulfilling prophecy. And, and, and so we need to remember that, that many of these people who were there knew what the prophets of old had written, including Zechariah. So for just a quick bit, jump back to Zechariah. It's literally like the second book back from Matthew, all right, if you're going to follow along. Zechariah 9, verse 9. Let's hear this and see how Jesus is fulfilling this prophecy. Zechariah 9, verse 9. It says this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. God's people are called, they are told to rejoice. They're, they're told to shout aloud, Jerusalem, your king, your majesty is coming to you. And how is he coming to you? He's coming to you righteous. He is coming to you having salvation. And he's coming to you humble. And mounted on a donkey. This is no ordinary king. This is no ordinary procession for your majesty. This king, King Jesus, is unique. This king, King Jesus, is 
different. This king, this king Jesus, is one of a kind. And so there the triumphal procession began. Jesus on the top of of a donkey, working his way to Jerusalem, accompanied by, by shouting and singing and palms. People lied this side of the roads. They didn't just wave their palms. They threw their garments down on the ground for him to walk on, for the donkey to walk on, who carried the king. All this symbol of triumph for their king paving the way. And as you listen, like the kids, maybe you could have heard them say, Hosanna! And then the shouts got louder, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And those shouts followed Jesus throughout the entire route, down the Mount of Olives, passing the Garden of Gethsemane, across the Brook Don, and entering into Jerusalem. That brings us then back to our scripture. Drop down to verses 10 and 11 with me. Matthew 21, beginning with verse 10 and then verse 11. It says this. And when he, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. The whole city wanted to know, who is this? Who was this man? So so they asked that question, who is this? Tell us who he is. And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus. This is the one that we've been telling you about. This is the one that's been doing all these miracles. This is Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. They knew it. And at that point, they were not afraid to tell anybody. Awesome. Right? This is great. So great that we can't leave it here. We have to take the next step in our text today and ask this question, now what? We we take that question there in verse 10 and we have to ask ourselves, can we answer this for the people who want to know? Do we know who he is? Do we personally know who the king is? Can we answer that question if someone says, who is this that you're getting ready to celebrate? Can we answer this question with the help of the Holy Spirit? While you think about your answer, let's take some time and recall who this king is. So let me tell you about this king who restores our brokenness. Let me tell you about this king who turns the way we are to look at this world upside down. You see, this king, King Jesus, does not look like a king at all. You see, not only did the king, my king and your king, come to this final week of his life riding in on a donkey, He came humbly. He 
He came humbly to endure what no other king would ever do. What no other king could ever do. He came bringing righteousness and salvation. And I'm going to use the words of one wise prophet to help us understand a little bit more about this unique king. So just as there were many appalled at him for what he said, many were appalled at him for his appearance because it was so disfigured. It was, it was disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form marred beyond human likeness. He had no beauty. He had no majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised. He was rejected. Amen. He was a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. He was like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. We did not regard him. This king is a horrible sight to see. This man, this king, so broken, so beaten, that he was ugly to the eye. His hands and feet pierced by iron nails. His thorn-encircled brow, a jagged gash in his side from a soldier's spear. Who would want to fix their gaze upon such a sight? Who would want such a king? A king who seemed to have no beauty. A king who seemed to have no majesty at all. Because nothing, nothing in his appearance should make us desire him. Why would someone want to follow someone who's not attractive? Why would anyone want to follow someone who's not popular? Why would you waste your time with someone who had no majesty, a king rejected by men, a king admired by but a few? But here's the deal. Here's the deal with, with this king, with my king, with your king. He chose this path. This king chose this path. He could have fought, yes, and he would have won. He could have taken a different route to his kingdom, but no, he chose the curse. He chose the nails. He chose the cross for you and for me. Let that sink in. Just let it deepen into your heart. Because you who are broken, you who are, are hurting, you who are grieving, you who are, are following the desires of your flesh, this king of mine, this king of yours, he chose you and me through it all. 
Are you ready to tell others who this broken king is? Are you ready to tell others who this broken king is for you? Are you ready to tell others who this broken king is for them? Yes. There will be some, when you answer this question of who is this, when you talk about who your king is, to them it may sound downright foolish, even stupid. They may think you're foolish to put your hope in a king who's ugly. They may think it dumb for you to put your your, your faith in a king who had no money. They may think you foolish for putting your your, your hope and your faith in a king who had nothing in his appearance that anyone should desire him. And to top it off, they may think, why would you put your faith in someone who is willing to be killed? Here's the thing. This king that chose to become broken, to become ugly, he changes hearts. He changes lives. This king rescues and restores. We just need to share the answer. We just need to share the answer to that question. Who is this? And then we let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Let them know. Let them know what so many of you know so well. That this king is Jesus. This is King Jesus who became ugly because he took each of our sins upon himself. His disfigurement, his wounds, his scars were inflicted because of us, because of our wrongdoings. He was marred because he took our trespasses on himself. This king, King Jesus, suffered the scorn and ridicule that we may feel towards others. This king suffered the scorn and ridicule that others directed us. But most of all, this king, Jesus, the Christ, he suffered the Father's hatred at the sin of all humanity. The sin Christ bore was in our place, all humanity's place, and therefore removed from us. It's for that reason. It's for that reason that we acclaim King Jesus as our beautiful Savior. His features are majestic beyond compare. His ugly wounds have earned you and me, all of us, eternal life. 
The king who was broken, who was despised and rejected. He will receive any and all who come to him in faith. He himself says this in John 6. He said, whoever comes to me, anyone who believes, I will never cast out. Ever. Whoever comes to me, whoever believes in me, I will never cast out. So many of you know this. A lot of you are just starting to learn this. And you're all just growing in this truth. So the question then is, are you ready to tell who he is? Are you ready to shout out for others to hear, to know, to come, to believe in, in King Jesus? I can't answer that for you, but you can remember this. You can remember that, that Jesus has done the heavy lifting. He's the one that did the dying and the rising. You can remember that the Holy Spirit has brought you to the faith. You can remember that the Holy Spirit gives you the words to speak. And you can remember that the Holy Spirit's the one that changes hearts, not you, not me. The Holy Spirit changes hearts. So knowing all this, we must each ask ourselves today, in this world that is hurting, in this world that is searching, in this world that is stirred up and asking, who is this Easter thing all about? Are we ready to tell who he is? I pray that you are. And your answer to that question is, who is this? Is, this is the broken king who restores you and me. His name is King Jesus. Amen and amen.